Welcome to Hacker Man Bad Tenacity Good, the podcast covering cloud and cybersecurity topics. Now, we are sponsored by TenacityCloud.com. Head on over there to learn more about it. But today, I, Steve, am joined by Jason Yeager, the CEO of Tenacity, as well as AJ Yon, the co-founder and CEO of ByteCheck. Join our conversation today. We're going to be talking about guidance that's come from the White House and CISA, as well as practical tips you can be taking and should be taking today to protect yourself and your company from the new Russian threat. Guys, thanks for joining. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, we're in an environment that's really shifted. Uh, at least it appears to have shifted in, in the news base. And context-wise, we're talking about cyber security. We're talking about uh, the importance of it, what do now, what's changed, that kind of thing. And it really comes from the context of uh, very direct guidance from you know the White House and uh, CISA. They listed, I think it was about 13 bullet points of things that we as companies, private entities, should go do right now. Uh, Europe had its own guidance as well. And Really, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you know two experts in the field: Jason Yeager from Tenacity Cloud, AJ Yon from ByteCheck, two CEOs, two founders who saw a problem years ago before this guidance came out. And uh, you know, let me ask this first question in the context of you know from a, a, a business leader standpoint, as a, a citizen who's a customer with data floating around out there in, in the world, as just a general concerned citizen, uh, you know, is there a greater uh, you know what's changed, right? Is there a greater threat now, as opposed to uh, two months or two years ago? I don't think so. Not from a cybersecurity standpoint. Maybe there. I mean, uh, listen. The, the things that were released by the White House or CISA were like, you know, if you're, you should have been doing those all along. These are like the ba well, the first bullet point is multi-factor authentication. So mm -hmm. we're still at the point where people need to be told to use multi-factor authentication or some form of secure password authentication. And so I, I'm not so sure the threat is greater now from a cybersecurity perspective than it was, say, six weeks ago. Um, but it's definitely in the news and it gets more press and people are talking about it. And, you know, it's like never waste a, never waste a good crisis. Like if you can get people to bolster their security as a result of what's happening in the world, um, you know, I think it's it's helpful. And, and this is this is a threat every day. I mean, Russia's a state enemy. Their main goal is to undermine the United States, its citizens, potentially its businesses, whatever it thinks will help, um, you know, uh, you know, delegitimize de NATO, U.S., whatever, whatever the whatever the the uh, whatever his ultimate goal is, which I don't think any of us really know. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we need to be paying attention to states that are constantly attacking us from not only uh you know not only a media perspective but also a cyber perspective hmm. yeah i'm with you jason i think uh there's i don't know if there's a greater threat now um you know most cybersecurity professionals would be like maybe i guess you know might be um but i think uh the guidance that's coming out is just they're the white house is like oh i think something's gonna happen but like all like you said all of the things that they're saying are things we've been saying, people in this field have been saying forever. And it's it's it reminds me a little bit of like COVID where people are like, hey, wash your hands. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll do that. <laughs> like, there uh, are people uh, that don't do that, by the way. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think it's, I think 
like you said, it's a, you never want to waste a good crisis. So I, I don't want anybody to think we're like bashing the fact that cybersecurity is important, but these threats and the things you should have been doing uh, were there before. It's just now in the light, there's a light shining on it. Um, and I think companies and private entities should know like, hey, like if the government is telling you to do something, you probably should have been doing it. <laughs> they're probably a little bit behind. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, way behind. they're the laggards. <laughs> They sit in that far right part of the bell curve that's way at the end, you know, (laughs) except for militarily speaking anyway, by the way. Everything in the military is like the greatest, you know, nobody knows about it, you're right. But I think yeah, there, there you might have a different threat. opinion about that. Yeah. You've been using that equipment before. Yeah, right? I'm just, uh, you know, it depends what unit <laughs> yeah. you're in. Look at, yeah. yeah. yeah the there's different reactions to that phrase. Some of those, technology that goes into some of those aircraft and, you know, all these yeah, different yeah, things yeah. is, you know. I would say there are greater threats, though. I mean, listen, internal employees are always a greater threat. <laughs> Then out that external internal forces are always greater or ex, internal things are always a greater risk than external things. And that doesn't mean it has to be malicious. It's just lack of training and understanding. Oh, I shouldn't click that link. Yeah. That I mean, that's probably it's it's hard to know, but that's still a pretty high yeah. uh, uh, a culprit in uh, data mm-hmm. breaches and cyber yeah. events is just people that don't know they're not supposed to do this thing. They accidentally do it. And then next thing you know, Target has somebody inside their systems for what nine months before anybody knew that that's actually the great, yeah. greater threat because you get in without anybody knowing. Yeah. So let me ask AJ, what do you think about that? Because somebody's sending that link that you're not supposed to click, right? There's another, there's another end of that attack uh, that's taking place. And so there's certainly a training and internal uh, component to it, but I mean, uh, any, any opinion or reaction to, you know, there is something there's someone is sending that and whether it's you yeah. know a, a spiky effort out of russia or a satellite or uh it, pick a state actor that still refers to the u.s as quote the main enemy like that's mm-hmm. a real phrase from these folks uh you yeah. know manuals so or a teenager in their basement eating doritos right <laughs> with the hood up <laughs> back <laughs> and <laughs> the matrix from the, the matrix 90s letters movies. are coming down that over the face too. Um, I think, yeah, I I mean, there's obviously someone sending those links, but I think a lot of times people look at breaches and think it's some next level sophisticated thing. And it's most of the time the most simple thing that it's been missed. Um, And it's clicking a link or it's not MFA or it's it's just not the, the training of the individual. But to that point, I think hackers have gotten very great with phishing emails, with phishing links. And even like me as a cyber professional, I look sometimes, I'm like, this looks off, but it looks really good. Like this mm-hmm. is a good, if you look, think about like phishing emails five years ago compared to today, they're impressive. Like you cannot tell. So I don't really blame users. I think companies need to have tooling, things in place to, to know when stuff happens. Like we can't go, we can't be in this world where somebody's living in target system for nine months. Like, Someone should know that, like something should have triggered and someone should have been alerted. They at least should know the risk. Exactly. They at least should know the risk of that happening, right? Like, okay, we're doing this, this, and this. So our risk is relatively low because I mean, offense is always better than defense. It's, you know, it's like you, it, it, things are going to happen. Exactly. Uh, But if you know and understand your risks, then you won't be surprised if something like that happens, (laughs) (laughs) which what I'm hearing is, you know, a, a, a variation on a pretty standard statement. We can control our behavior, right? You, it's difficult to control the behaviors of others. And I feel like what you're getting at here is around AJ and Jason around internal controls and you know, what, what can we do 
And there was a list of 13 high level ideas that came out of a, a, a report, but actionable, you know, pretty light on those deals. So, I mean, in general, what where do internal controls fall into this versus say, well, I got cyber insurance. I don't need to worry about this or, you know, some other uh, less than a perfect. Approach. It's like, oh, I got insurance. Why not just run my car into a bridge? It doesn't right. matter. right? I don't need, I don't need a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, belt. Yeah, I'm going to um, let AJ take that one. I think, I mean, internal controls are super important. And I think when, when people usually hear controls, they're like, oh, audit compliance. I don't, I don't want to have to think about controls, but it's like, for me, when I think of internal controls, the first thing I think about is like, do you know what your stuff is? Like, do you know how, what your assets are? Do you know what your boundary of your entire environment is? And then you start from there because good security requires context. You can't just say, like, I'm going to go take these 13 things that the White House said I had to do and just throw it at every company because it might not make sense for some companies that hmm. resources are different in, in most companies. So I think when it comes to internal controls, you got to start with where is your stuff? <laughs> Where's your shit? <laughs> and then you go from there figure out how to protect your shit. But at the beginning, it's like, where is it? And, and for me, internal controls are super important, but they only are important if you know what you're protecting. Uh, I've, I've run into so many companies that are like, oh, we do this, this, and this. And I'm, well, based off of our conversation, your infrastructure has nothing to do with that stuff. Um, why are you doing all these controls? Oh, we just inherited them or I did it at my last company. And we got to get to the point where it's all based off of organizations. Like your threat model is different depending on who you are, the industry you're in, the customers you're serving, all of mm -hmm. these different things. And like to Jason's point, like you got to understand the risk. If you're a company that operates in a certain country or works with different type of customers, your risk may be different than someone else that is only, you know, uh, a Chrome extension or whatever it may be. You just have to know yourself, I think, when it comes to internal control. That's what I really think about is like know yourself first and then start to figure out how do I apply security to it. I agree. And iterate. I mean, there's nothing worse than saying, well, we, we've always done it this way. So that's why well, you're <laughs> securing something that doesn't need to be. You have controls on something that just has no business having controls on it. It just doesn't exactly. make any sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. There's not really much else to say about it. I mean, it's it's the foundation of that entire list or or any framework, really, um, you know, for, you know, understanding what you have because you can't control what you don't know you have. And, um, you know, so it's, it's like the, the definition of the word, right? It's like, yeah. Well, hang on, because what... When when you say controls, you guys have something in your mind. What are those? Like, if I want someone were to say, "All right, Steve, here's the here are the the controls and the in the frameworks, the process we have." Like, where do those live? What do they look like? Uh, and I'm afraid the answer is, I'm afraid the answer might be like an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. Yeah. But maybe that's the case, you know? <laughs> or or is like, what are these? What what? How what do they look like? How do you interact with them? How do you know that they're even being? Man implement <laughs> so i remember doing audits like but there was like there was nothing i mean you you had nothing i remember w the first Is that time when the internet used to scream at you when you yeah. signed on <laughs> i think i yeah in 2010 i created an an uh, we wanted to do multiple audits and i created a spreadsheet just so that i could map the controls and i remember the auditor that was doing our audit from from a decently sized auditing firm was like Oh my God, I've never seen something like this. And I'm like, I was like, I don't know. We just need multiple. I saw overlapping ones. So I just created this spreadsheet. And then it's like, now it's like, you know, there are so many of them now. I think, God, it's, they're 
for a lot of companies, they're stolen spreadsheets. I would say yeah. that's where most of the, the definition of the control and whether we need to adhere to it is in some sort of spreadsheet. And then all of that other documentation, you know, AJ sees this all the time with his customers. Yeah. I'm sure he's probably seen them in filing cabinets, <laughs> Google Drive, Dropbox, somebody's yeah. computer, a thumb drive. It, it could be, it's like whoever was in charge of it just mm -hmm. like I did in 2010. Nobody was doing any of this. I just decided and all that stuff lived on my laptop. Yeah. And now we have, you know, things that can help us manage that. So, yeah, I think you unfortunately I still see way too many spreadsheets uh and and customers managing things in Google Drive and all over the place and um it's because uh usually there's this one person like like Jason that's like oh, I got to deal with this. All right, I'm just going to create some stuff to to handle it. Um, and, and, you know, we've built something cool here to help people with that. And I think one of the concepts that we have to have to get people to pick up controls better is something that I, I teach in the SANS course that I teach about cloud compliance is compliance professionals need to live off the land. They need to stop making developers, engineers, security professionals come to their spreadsheets and they need to go to their tools. So whatever tools your developers are using, whatever tool your engineers are using, if your engineers are living in in the cloud, you need to be in the cloud, not on the spreadsheet. I mean, you need to be over there figuring out how to take your controls and, and do it where they're at um, earlier on in the process. Because most people that are outside of compliance don't want to hear about controls. They don't want to hear about compliance. They just want to work, execute, like you're saying earlier, Jason. And create unsecure shit. Insecure yeah. shit. And compliance professionals are always like, ah, come get in this spreadsheet. I want to show you this spreadsheet. And, and it's just not going to get adapt. No one's going to adopt that stuff. So you have to go live where your people live as a compliance professional so that they know where those controls are. You have those gates in place or like, oh, I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. Now, so uh, Google the phrase compliance sucks and <laughs> like bite check is on the first page of Google. So like clearly you agree compliance sucks. Uh, and it sounds like a lot of what you described there is the problem is there's no communication between the two groups or active avoidance between the two groups or when communication does happen, it's through some crap spreadsheet and it doesn't explain why or even maybe what just, hey, you can't do that or what the alternative might be there. And I think, uh, you know, we've we've heard it before that, you know, we're now in a world where when you're actively avoiding, you know, sort of what the steps are, um, you're very much only going to come at it, maybe even from the insurance mindset, which is very, very reactive, right? Which is very after the fact. Something has already happened. In fact, there's, an, there's a whole host of tools mm -hmm. with very fun names like anomaly detection, which will tell you after there's been a bump in the night kind of thing, but not really be proactive with your security. So, uh, you know, how much of proactive security uh, versus, say, reactive is really just doing what you're supposed to do now. So it's like, do it before the event. Or is there another take on proactive security that uh, you might have? And um, yeah, AJ, what do you think? Yeah, I think for me, when I think about proactive security, I think about the companies that I talk to that are coming to me in a panic because someone has asked them to prove that they're secure and they mm -hmm. haven't thought about it yet. Um, and I think that's silly because like if anybody that's been in the startup space knows that as you start to grow, your customer sizes are going to change. You're going to start working with bigger customers and they are going to have a question. <laughs> that question is, what are you doing for security? So like founders think about scalability all the time. We're thinking about how do we scale the business? How do we hire more people? How do we get more people to our website? All of these things. But 
you very rarely hear a early stage founder talk about how do I scale security? Um, because it's a reactive thing that they react to a demand from somebody in business. And it's not, hey, from the beginning, let's let's think about this stuff. Let's start doing these things now because I know I'm going to get assets. And I, we, we, I have a few customers that are second time founders and they're coming and using ByteCheck way before anybody has asked because they know. They're like, I do not want to go through that panic again of trying to get through this stuff in like a three week period because I have a million dollar deal on the line. So I'm going to get in it ahead of it. And I think when you do proactive security, it's easier. Like It's much easier to get it right from the beginning than try to go back and fix everything or or add controls when you were when you're a 20 person company versus when you were three. Uh, you can set stuff in place very early on. But I, it, I, it's a mindset shift. I think that cybersecurity is one of those things that pops in people's heads once something happens or, or, or like right now, everything's in the news. So I'm sure there's boards and CEOs are like, Hey, what do I got to do about this cyber stuff now? And then their CISOs are probably like, what do you, I've been talking to you for months about all the stuff we got to do. Let's just do those things right now instead of waiting for something to happen. So for me, it's like just thinking about this stuff before someone externally tells you to think about it. Like you got to internally be saying, I got to do the right things now. Uh-huh. And the other thing about being proactive is also a CYA. We, I mentioned earlier, offense is always better than defense. Yeah. If something happens and you're doing nothing, you look really stupid. If something happens and you're doing all these things, working with bite check, working with tenacity, working with whoever the hell else, right? And you have all this data, th- then you're talking about what what you missed, not how you're an idiot, right? You're just like, okay, well, you've got you seems like you've got a lot of controls in place. How did this happen? What happened? Well, this one machine, we didn't, whatever it is, right? So exactly. it's also about being able to defend yourself to the, your board, your customers. I mean, imagine the conversation. Something happens, right? Which it can happen to anyone. If Capital One can have a data breach, so can ByteCheck, so can Tenacity, so can Apple, so can whoever else you, you want to name. And mm-hmm. so to be able to have a conversation with your customers and say, look, this is what we're doing as a company to secure ourselves. This is what happened. This is why it happens. That's a much better conversation to have than, I don't know. We mm-hmm. weren't doing anything. We mm-hmm. were building stuff in an insecure fashion. We left all these things open. Uh, so, so if you have a strategy, you're being proactive about things. It also makes you know, the, the messaging after a potential event. And got, you know, let's hope none of them happen to any of us. But um, there's no silver bullet. You know, right. I have to They're just, I mean, listen, Russia, it's also about staying out of the spotlight. like, geez, anybody could have hacked Russia's ministry of defense anytime. It just happened, right? They just got a bunch of like this hacker group hacked, whatever. I can't remember what it was out of Russia. Somebody could have yeah. done that anytime. They did it because of what they're doing right now. Like, so it's right. also about like, you know, don't poke the bear really, <laughs> you know, like if you know, if you're. And, and that means something different to other people, right? It's obviously much different Russia going to war and brutally murdering innocent people. Um, that, that's going to, they're going to get, uh, somebody's going to come for them, right? But if yeah. you think about it, you would think, wouldn't you think the US government or Russia's defense ministry, they, there's no way somebody could hack that, right? That's all behind, yeah, but it's all, it's junk, it's garbage. Yeah. Every, the government has this stuff. Anybody can get this data anytime. Just make sure you're doing as much as you can to secure it. So, yeah, and there's a uh, uh, not very funny joke because it's statistics based, but it's around, you know, if 
as time trends to infinity, the probability of any one event happening is is 100%. If there's a very small chance that a hack's going to happen to your company today, but as days go by and the longer you're alive, that small chance aggregates. It's going to happen, right? And if someone's scanning the environment, make sure it's configured correctly. But if we can, I want to actually go back to a point that AJ had made earlier around conversations and going to the field and playing in the arena that like the the person you're trying to have a conversation with is in. So if, say I'm a cybersecurity professional, right? I'm a CISO and I'm trying to convince, you know, other, my peers within the organization, or even, you know, I'm an engineer who sees a problem and recognizes a need for like a, a new compliance or a new security uh, project within the company. You know, there has to be a way for them to go to their business leadership and say, hey, you know, with PCI compliance or with a SOC 2 audit or with HIPAA compliance, we have now unlocked this huge market for us to go sell our software into. So now compliance and cybersecurity are not like, dare I say, the lawyers who are stopping you from doing things, but rather, no, this is an enabler. We've now unlocked a whole new section of the market because you described it as like a million dollar deals might might not close in three weeks. Well, somebody must have seen that deal coming, right? There had, <laughs> there had to have been a way. Million dollar deals hopefully don't just drop into your lap like that. Right. Give me so, some of those, Steve. Yeah, well, we're working on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if you look you for see, every, I would, I would add some. I, I'll, I'll chime in. I guess. Sorry, there was a law, uh, drop. So if you got something else, you wanna? Do you need something else? No, I was curious um, to see. Listen, these are tickets. I, I view these all as tickets to the game. I've been saying this for. I mean, I did. I did the first, you know, SAS seventy. Type <laughs> one and type two audit in two thousand nine, um, and probably a couple of years after. I mean, it was at that time I was saying this is a ticket to the game. You you don't you no longer get to choose whether you need to be depending on the industry you're in, obviously. But we're talking about companies that are in this industry. You no longer get to not adhere to some sort of framework or security standard. And you also no longer, you you can't not have a way to prove it. And that's what we're talking about here, right? Is, um, you know, so to me, you're not opening, you're opening yourself up to the market, not a different market, mm-hmm. the market. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do this, if you don't have, if you don't have a good, uh, a, 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 a strong security posture, strong internal controls, however you want to label these things, whatever is uh, specific to your business or your industry, you're probably not going to make it very long. And if you do, something's going to happen. That's, that's, that's going to be really bad. Most likely. Okay. I agree. I think it's, uh, it's, it's like you said, it's the ticket to the game. Like you gotta, you gotta do it. I think one of the, the cool thing is, uh, is that like, everyone doesn't necessarily need to go get a compliance report. Uh, like I think using like tenacity just to know what's going on. Um, and then when you're talking about business value, the cool thing that you guys do that I really love is that you help people like identify like, yeah, I have these security risks, but also like I'm spending way too much money on all of these things. So then you can go to the, the business leaders and say like, Hey, there's a monetary value behind this. Um, there's something like we can save money. We can do things better. Oh, by the way, we're also going to protect ourselves because it, a lot of cybersecurity professionals are fighting just to get in the room to have the conversation. Um, but so you have to be able to tie some kind of business value to it. I think most executives are knowing now, like 
I got to do something for cybersecurity. And I think sometimes people jump right to, I just need to go get this SOC 2. I need to go get this PCI report. But maybe you need to just like start to look around first, just see what's going on, figure out what's going on in your environment, see where those risks are, and then start to start to start to look at other compliance frameworks. But it's a lot of it is just like painting the picture of here's the bad stuff that's that could be happening and here's the business impact of it. And when you can tie it to a number, I think that's something that cybersecurity professionals often struggle with is trying to get to a, a monetary value for the business to understand. That's when things start to move. Um, when you just come in there with, hey, bad stuff's happening. People are going to get hacked. It's, it's tough to get people behind that because that fear, uncertainty and doubt doesn't always work. Um, so I think that the business side of it, to your point, Jason, is so important, which is why like, I, I think your, your guys' tool is so, so great um, because it does help, I think, bridge that gap before before you even need to go get uh, an auditor to come in, just like sign up, figure out what's going on. Like I said before, you got to know your shit and like, before, don't call an auditor in if you haven't even took a look. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. You, it's like a SOC 2 audit or whatever it is, is if I need a third party to verify what I'm already doing. So <laughs> you can do that without, I'm not, and I know, AJ's one of your goals is to make everybody more. You want everybody yeah. to, to to do that. So I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't need it, but some companies don't actually need yeah. a third party audit of this. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't adhere to the same controls exactly. that exactly. a company that that has. You know, when we started, and fortunately for me, I've been doing this for you know ten years, so I had all these documents. It's like <laughs> here's all our, here's everything that we're going to adhere to. And, you know, when we go through and so when we go through security audits like we did with, uh, you know, pretty large financial firm, we were able to get through it because yeah. we're doing all these things. And another thing about third party audits, it just makes it easier to interact with your prospects or customers. You no longer have to fill out a 30 page yeah. document, security document. You can just mm -hmm. hand them your so you're paying for some efficiency as well. But it doesn't mean that you, if you don't need a third party audit, it doesn't mean that you can't hold yourself to SOC 2 standards. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, AJ, any, any parting thoughts on, you know, what, what, what should be done right now? What should you do tomorrow? I know that if I've got an audit due in three weeks, I'm going to check out by check. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. hope that's enough time for you. But uh, in general, from, uh, you know, a proactive internal control with a greater threat that we're facing now than before, what, what your next steps would be if you know if your buddy came to you and said, "Hey, what do I do?" You know, how would you respond to him or her? Yeah, I would ask, "How are you continuously monitoring those controls?" Uh, because you have to have a way to know what's going on at all times. That the days of just like checking in and, and getting a report spit out or um, once a month saying, "Oh, we're good to go," like those days are over. So like you got to have stuff plugged into your cloud environment and know on a continuous basis what is. What is changing? Because uh, traditionally, you look at like compliance reports. It looks like this straight line over the year, the entire year. Everything was perfect. There was no issues. Everything yeah. was. But we all know, like when somebody deploys something new, it's this. It's an up and down process because I'm just spinning something out. It's not going to be according to any security control. Slack's going to go crazy and say all this bad stuff is out there. Then you got to mm -hmm. go fix it. And compliance professionals specifically need to know and be involved in that up and down cycle. Uh, because you can start to identify areas where like every single time we deploy this, this security control is breached and we got to go back and do it again. 
how do I stop that from happening early in the process? So I would say if you are not using technology to monitor this stuff right now, if you're not using software solutions to understand and know your environment on a continuous basis, you need to start that today um, or yesterday, really. Uh, and then once you get that data in there, it's constantly, to Jason's point earlier, iterating, uh, iterating, iterating, iterating. A lot of companies I see think security is set and forget. You got to put the stuff in place to look and then you have to see, OK, what's changed now that I've done this part? Because cybersecurity, just in general, like learning cybersecurity and getting into this field, the more you learn, the less you know. Uh, so you, mm -hmm. you and, and because your eyes start to open up, and you start you realize, to realize. Yeah, you realize. Ex whoa. Exactly. And it's the same way when you like start to defend your network. You're like, oh, uh oh. <laughs> There's so yeah. much more. The more you learn about the threats, so so you never are done. Um, and I would say, moving into the future, it's like keeping this always learning, always iterating, always improving mindset is what is going to help advance things. And we won't have to have 13 steps from the White House because people will be doing the things that they're that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a really great place uh, for a natural pause because, like you said, it's an ongoing thing. We're going to have this conversation again, and we can probably take out russia and put in something else there. <laughs> yeah we're gonna try we're, what are we gonna do these are we done then is that what you're saying were you ending it now we're done usually gotta wait like any little trying to i'm gonna have a hard cut at the end there but yeah we're done <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it's all good dude don't worry about it let's <laughs> fade in and out that's what audio is for the the recording is still running right now because if we capture any really cool micro content or bites or anything like that but I needed to clip that These down. These are fun. This was fun. Huh? This Good. is a great yeah. one. I, I actually like the 8.30 a.m. as well because okay. I'm going to be super pumped. I mean, it's like a great way to start today. Invigorating yeah. conversation. Um, you know, we don't get, you know, I don't, we don't get enough of those. Yeah. Face-to-face -face or even video-to-video. -video. It's mm -hmm. mostly phone nowadays, right? You have to force yourself yeah. to get on, on a video call but yeah this was fun and it's man it's been too long aj we've both been yeah, busy with these uh <laughs> trying to get these companies off the ground i'm gonna send you an email man i'd love to sync up love to just chat with you for 20 yeah. 30 minutes see how things are going and um you know keep in touch i'm gonna be up in uh detroit and arbor area in a couple weeks um yeah. let's I'll, get together uh, yeah yeah i'll uh i'll let you I, I gotta go check and see what days i'll be there but like yeah let's let's do like a lunch or a breakfast or yeah, Three. I'll send you my um I'll email you my uh mobile number so you can okay. text me and we can figure it out, make it easier. Yeah, uh, I, agree. I agree though, Jason. This was fun. Like I like I like the like it just natural, it's free, and we're just having a conversation. And um Steve, I think never send me the questions ahead because if you do, I'll try to prepare and I won't be natural. Yes. So like let's yeah. just wing it every time. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. I loved this format. It's very easy to get I think it's very easy to get somebody to commit to 45 minutes where they don't have to prep for anything just show it and you we've got questions you know we're gonna have opinions on i think it's a exactly. i think it's great i really like this cool now i gotta go set up that little studio at the office so <laughs> get your lighting you gotta get your up lighting <laughs> yeah um if we can let me do one canned thing here i want to pause for a couple seconds and then i'm gonna thank aj uh for joining us and we're looking forward to talking to him again that kind of thing so and then we'll sign off after that so AJ, I got to say, really appreciate you taking out the time to come answer our questions, educate us on us. Um, you know, we talked about why it's a threat. We talked about what you got to do internally now. We talked about how proactive is better than reactive. And of course, 
steps you can take in a continuous learning nature. And uh, couldn't have had that conversation without you. Again, thank you really much for uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks that was AJ Yan, the CEO and co-founder of ByteCheck, and Jason Yeager, CEO and co-founder of Tenacity Cloud. I'm Steve Lachance, and I'd love for you to join me next time, where we're going to be talking about the necessity of technical configuration, getting it right up front, as well as keeping a continuous and monitoring watch over your environments. We're going to have a special guest to talk about the expertise and tools that are available just for that purpose on the next episode of Hacker Man Bad, Tenacity Good.